You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, I'm Robert Wright. I run the Non-Zero Foundation, which produces all the shows on Blogging Heads TV and Meaning of Life TV. We host a variety of voices, some of them pretty unorthodox, and we encourage dialogue that is sharp but civil. We think fostering constructive conversation is especially important now that America and the world are looking kind of fragile. If you agree that our mission is important, I hope you'll consider helping us shoulder the cost. You can do that by becoming one of our cherished patrons at patreon.com slash nonzero foundation. That's N-O-N-Z-E-R-O-F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N. Thanks. We need your help, and we deeply appreciate it. Hi, welcome to Blogging Heads TV. This is Culturally Determined. I'm your host, R.A. Cohen-Wade. Uh, this is a very special episode, uh, because uh, my guest today has been plucked from the viewership slash listenership, uh, responding to a challenge that I issued in uh, the last episode uh, we put up, which, which was uh, with Glenn Lowry, where I wanted to talk to someone who was a Trump supporter about the election, and... Um, and uh, we had a volunteer. We had a couple volunteers, but uh, the one who's appearing before us uh, was the lucky, the lucky winner. Almost like a, you know, this is like a, fa- a fan plucked from uh, plucked from audience for a cameo appearance. But hopefully, it'll be more than that. <laughs> and so, with no further introduction, uh, my guest is John Guthrie. So, John, can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, hey everybody. Um, yeah, I'm not even super comfortable with the with the moniker of Trump supporter, um, but I guess. You know, technically, I am a, re- a reluctant Trump supporter. Um, I just voted for the guy, so uh, you know, we got that. Okay, so uh, yeah, okay. John, you already yeah. voted. That, yeah, that, I've already voted. Great. Yep, yep. Okay, uh, so, yeah, John Guthrie. Tell um, us more about you yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, I'm 35 years old. Um, I teach English and critical thinking at a community college in North Carolina. Um, no need to name the institution. I probably shouldn't be doing this, so we'll leave that part out. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, I guess we can pretty much leave it at that. Um, yeah, for now, you know, if you have other questions, feel free to ask. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for volunteering and, you know, uh, being uh, brave enough to appear on camera, uh, so that, uh, YouTube commenters can, uh, you know, rip, tear you apart or perhaps That's right. congratulate you on what a great job you did making me look like a fool, which is probably more likely. Um, so and you're an English, and you're an English professor. Yeah, I, I talked about in the Glenn episode. I was an English major, so that uh, that's I, I noticed that. Yeah, an that's, interesting that's, contrast that's... to uh, English. Uh, I guess you know former English majors uh, squaring off. Okay, so what what do you um just what is your uh, general political background? Because I think in, when you messaged me, you said you called yourself a, a libertarian with a small L. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, and honestly, that was one of the reasons I, I thought I'd reach out to you. Um, you know, in your and Glenn's last conversation, he was, uh, as he's done before, I'm a big fan of his, uh, you know, he was uh, still manning the potential hypothetical Trump supporter, uh, you know, not Glenn, but here's what one may say. Um, and I thought that was interesting. And, and you you mentioned, you know, surely there are going to be Republican voters who always vote Republican no matter what. And there are going to be Democratic voters who always vote Democrat no matter what. Um, and I think that's right. Uh, we know what those conversations sound like, uh, but I thought I would reach out because um, I, I'm really neither one of those. Um, I've I've kind of always been a libertarian, I would say, you know, since I really started having my my own political ideas. 
uh, libertarian with a small L. So I'm not active in libertarian party politics. I never have been. Um, I typically don't vote. Um, just because I, I really feel like nobody ever represents my values, my beliefs. So I typically just sit on the sidelines. Um, you know, occasionally I'll, I'll, I'll lob a protest vote across the lines. Um, but that's, that's really it. Mm-hmm. And, um, did you, um, so that's interesting that, that often, you don't vote. Would you, I mean, would you consider yourself like a swing voter? You know, the media is always talking about swing voters. Interestingly, less this year. Seems like yeah, we're thinking most people probably have an opinion at this point, and there's fewer yeah. people in the middle. But would you call yourself a swing voter? Uh, I mean, I guess in this case I am. Um, which yeah, I agree. That does seem to be the assessment that people, you know, they've made up their minds, and you know, we're just going to see what it is. Um, but yeah, I think they're. It's hard to say, right? Uh, there aren't many libertarians, first of all. Uh, like, as a libertarian, I can tell you that's the case, right? <laughs> when you when you move throughout the world, you're uh, you're not usually in. Uh, it, you, you don't you don't usually have many uh, many ideological companions. Um, but in this case, I probably am, and I do have to think that there are people like me, whether they identify as libertarian or not, uh, maybe politically inactive folks who are going to step up for the first time, um, probably, probably to both camps and, you know, in this election, um, I wouldn't be surprised if that turns out to be a major force that, that hasn't really been, um, you know, factored in. Yeah. And, and all the polls, you know, they have like, they pull registered voters and then at a certain point they do likely voters and they determine that somehow, I guess maybe they ask like, do you know where your polling place is or have you voted in the past and things like that. So they determine and then cut out some amount of people and and since this is an unusual time to have an election, um, maybe maybe they're you know cutting out too many people or something or yeah. so it's hard to know exactly. So um, did you vote in 2016? I did not. No, no. What, and, um, was that like a conscious kind of like neither appeals to me sort of thing? Yeah, exactly. Um, couldn't just couldn't really bring myself to do it. I remember thinking at the time if. You know, if somebody put a gun to my head and asked me, like, who do you want to win? I probably would have reluctantly said Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I wasn't anywhere close to voting for the guy. Um, I think the last time I voted in a presidential election would have been in eight and 12 uh, when I voted for Ron Paul. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of the, the background there. OK. And did you think about voting for the libertarian candidate either in 2016 or 2020? Because it was Gary Johnson in 2016 who was like the most, um, you know, I don't know if reputable is the right word, but he was the closest <laughs> thing to like a mainstream candidate that the Libertarian Party had that I know of. Yeah, um, I, I, I didn't. And if if I recall my thinking at the time, um, I think I'd kind of gotten to the point where. I just didn't see much of a future in that. Um, I, you know, years ago, I came to the decision that people just did not agree with my political philosophy, the views that I held. What I found to be important, most people don't find to be important. Uh, you know, so uh, you know, if you like, if you rewind to uh, you know college years. Uh, through my 20s, I'm 35 now, um, you know, I, I was the guy who was always trying to have a conversation with somebody about politics, political philosophy, economics, whatever. Um, and I still am, but I, I realized that, you know, I, I just I didn't see a future in um, the country becoming more more liberty minded. 
Uh, so I kind of just said the hell with it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So it's interesting because I think my yeah. So my understanding of people who don't vote or who kind of choose in between is that they are less likely to have an estate, like sort of a, a set political ideology that they subscribe to. And they maybe right. have, I discussed this before. They maybe have a mishmash of beliefs. Like maybe they're very uh, anti-abortion, but like they really care about Medicare and social security or something. So that's not a position yep. that like has without aligns with one party. And, um, and so they could go back and forth or they just have atypical political beliefs that don't really fit into uh into either party um but you um but you know libertarianism is you know an established (laughs) philosophy and there's a party and certainly a well i i would say they're they're sort of overrepresented libertarianism and libertarian ideas are overrepresented in sort of the commentariat or in elite opinion uh, uh, compared to the, the the nation at broad would you agree with that yeah, I would. Um, you know, you know, I would say some of my discomfort with that is that it tends to be roped into conservatism, and and you know, usually what it looks like, at least historically, is uh, I'm a libertarian because I am more free market than my you know conservative fellow travelers or something to that effect. Um, and as a as a you know little a little L libertarian, that all that always kind of pissed me off because. Um, you know, they wouldn't talk about criminal justice reform. They wouldn't talk about, um, you know, a more non-interventionist foreign policy. It was always just, you know, the meme is something along the lines of, I want my taxes to be extremely low, therefore I'll, I'll call myself a libertarian. Um, and that, you know, that's not the camp that I'm in. Um, so I never really felt like many in the pundit class who use the label, um, you know, represented me. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, the, the, they're definitely out there. The word is used a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the Cato Institute punches above its weight in terms of getting its ideas out there. I remember that at one point, yeah. this was like a decade or so ago, there was a, um, a blogging its commenter who was complaining about the ideological, um, how many people on in the various ideological divisions we had on the site and started right. keeping a tally and according to this person, as I recall, it was like roughly 40% uh, liberal, progressive, 30% conservative, and the rest libertarian. And yeah. you know, people like Will Wilkinson, Megan McCardle, like used to, you know, they were kind of in the blogosphere world that they were kind of, um, you know, prominent voices. And, yeah. and, um, and, you know, some of them have changed. Wilkinson has become, I, don't, I think he abandoned libertarianism uh, at some point in the past couple of years. Um, but yeah, I, I know, you. I mean, you know, as someone who reads stuff, read, you know, reads articles, I feel like I'm more exposed to libertarianism than other, you know, niche or however you want to describe them, uh, um, yeah. political philosophies. Although, you know, like maybe you could compare, compare it to like socialism and there's certainly been a resurgence in writing about socialism and people yeah. calling themselves democratic socialists or whatever over the past right. couple of years. Um, okay, so have you, um, do you ever vote for Democrats? Um, no. <laughs> okay. Um, but you know, I mean, uh, what about like in, what, like in for, co- for congressional races or for uh, no senator no, or anything uh, like that? No, but I mean, you know, the other side of that is I don't think I'd voted Republican um, except for Ron Paul ever. Okay, um, and if I remember correctly, in those elections, I voted you know straight. I voted for Ron Paul, and then like I just you know protest voted Libertarian for everybody else. Um, you know, in this case, I find myself as a, you know, basically straight 
Republican ticket voter. Okay, that's uh, interesting. Okay, so why? Um, yeah. So why did why? Uh, so Joe Jorgensen is this woman who is the libertarian candidate. I honestly know almost nothing about her. Um, she, yeah, she hasn't broken through. You know, Trump absorbs all the energy in the media. Yep. Um, uh, did you think about voting for her at all? Or I thought about it. I, I literally listened to like one interview with her, uh, and she, it just she just didn't resonate with me. Um, I, I you know the the thing with the Libertarian Party is again I just don't see I don't see them doing a, an awful lot when it comes to the idea world. I mean, like you say, you have Cato and and organizations like that who do some great work. Um, they, they, they do a pretty good job getting the word out there. So if I were going to vote libertarian, to me, it would be, it would basically just be a protest vote. Um, and in this, in this, in, in this election, I, you know, for reasons I'm sure we'll get into, uh, decided that, you know, I would rather see Trump win. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first election where I actually find myself voting for the lesser of two evils, right? <laughs> I used to be the guy when people would say, I'd be like, what's wrong with you? Don't, don't vote for evil. That's the answer. Stop voting for evil. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this case, I'm finally like, all right, Jesus, I'll hold my, I'll hold my nose and I'll vote for the lesser of two evils. Okay. That's interesting because one of the things I've been thinking about the election is that, uh, Trump has basically not expanded his coalition, um, yeah. beyond what it was, you know, he got 46 roughly percent and, and managed to eke out a victory in this weird double bank shot, triple bank shot kind of way. Uh, but yep. you are a counterexample to that because you didn't mm-hmm. vote last time. So, uh, for, for Trump and, yep. and now you're doing it. So I guess you might as well move into the meat of this. So what is, yeah. why, why do you decide that this was the time when you needed to uh, take a stand and, and, and vote for Trump and do so publicly, at least as public as this, uh, this podcast video cast. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. He- heads all over the world just exploded. <laughs> um, yeah. So for me, um, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a big gun rights guy, right? Um, as far as traditional libertarianism goes, I definitely fit in that box. Um, that's always been the case. T- typically, you know, I kind of would, I would see, I would listen to what's going on and I would just sort of shrug my shoulders and say, you know, Democrats are paying, paying sort of the lip service they have to pay toward gun control, but I'm not too concerned about it. I don't see anything actually coming down the pike. Um, and then, you know, when the when the Democratic debates happened, they were falling over each other to be the most pro gun control candidate on the stage. Um, and it probably has something to do with me being older and having, you know, literally owning more guns. So it's, it's more personal. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, I think we should separate these two out. If if I didn't care about anything else, I wouldn't be shocked if I were voting for Trump just for the gun issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, if I weren't a gun supporter, a gun guy, um, I wouldn't be surprised if I were still voting for Trump for other issues. So, um, and you know, like you were saying with Glenn, if it's just the gun issue, that guy usually votes Republican, right? No matter what, that's a big driver. Right. Um, so in in this case, it did tip the scale for me. Um, yeah, you know, the only caveat there is like if let's say somebody like Tulsi Gabbard won, would have won the nomination. I don't even remember what her policy was on on the gun issue. Um, I would have enthusiastically voted for Tulsi Gabbard. Why's that? Um, uh, she just seemed like a reasonable, decent human. Um, she she didn't seem like the typical 
politician who, you know, for, for the Democrats is going to pay lip service to these ideals and then not do anything. Um, yeah, so as I was saying, um, you know, my, my main complaints with Obama were from the left. So um, I was really hoping to see something something more substantial when it came to criminal justice reform. Um, I think he brought the jail terms for possession of, of crack and powder co- cocaine closer to parity. I think it was like 18 times more, and he brought it down to three or something like that. Um, but he didn't do much else, and that was a tremendous disappointment for me. Um, you know, the, the thing that drove me crazy in the beginning, if you remember, he campaigned on no immunity for telecoms when it came to the unwarranted, uh, wire, unwarranted wiretaps and spying Mm. quickly that went away. Um, you know, I was hoping he would draw down our involvement in Afghanistan and Iraq. That didn't happen. Well, Um, I mean, the, the Iraq basically did, um, Eventually, and, and that's kind of what led yeah. the Islamic State, like you know, uh, c- come to power, and then there was a re ramp up. So yeah, there was, yeah, there was some mean, of that, but yeah, you know, there, and you know, that's obviously complicated, right? Like whether the surge was a good idea or not, should we have stayed? Uh, yeah, it's it's complicated. But at the time, that was one of my complaints with them. Um, so you know, I don't, I, I don't even remember how we got on to um, to Obama, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> well, you okay? So you mentioned. Um, you know, guns being a major issue for you. So yeah. I just, I would just say, um, I guess maybe I'm like a political, uh, like 180 degrees political opposite for you on that, on the gun issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, it's the issue where I am most resigned to there being no, no movement whatsoever. I mean, the, the moment when something could have happened would have been after, um, the Sandy Hook, Sandy Hook shooting, you know, Obama reelected handily, uh, had control of Congress and, and this awful event happens and there seems to be some sort of groundswell and they try to do it and they fail and yeah. nothing is, there really hasn't been anything since then. There's been, so obviously there's been rhetoric like Beto O'Rourke said he was going to take everyone's AK-47s or something. I mean, if you just imagine, I mean, I can't possibly imagine any sort of gun confiscation thing ever happening, let alone passing in our system yeah. of government. And, and there's, I mean, there's so many, you know, there's more guns than people, in the country. So it, it just, it almost seems like a lost cause from, from my perspective. And so that's something I'm, I'm bummed out about. Um, and, it's, yeah. and, and there, I don't, I actually don't know what by, I mean, Biden, um, I guess the 94 crime bill probably had some gun stuff in it, but I don't, I don't exactly remember what that was, but it's certainly not like a central plank this time. And maybe, maybe Trump talks about it sometimes, but, um, yeah. but there, I mean, there hasn't been, I mean, I, I guess, except for the, the movement that started after the Parkland shooting with March for Our Lives created by these students at the, um, from the high school that did re-energize things. But again, there really hasn't been anything even close to happening on that. So do, do you, yeah. you, you see, you, but you see that as a threat that you want to prevent from happening? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, in, in fact, you know, if I were to, if I were to look at it objectively and if I were to, to play, um, you know, democratic operative, I would say, Hey guys, just stop talking about it for a while, at least during election season. Like you're not, you're not helping yourself. Democratic voters are already, you know, somewhat pro gun control, right? Like you don't, you didn't need them to tell you that. Uh, I, I literally don't understand why they, why they campaign on it. Um, but uh, but yes, yeah, so so Biden's platform, um, you know, was on his website. You did kind of have to seek it out. 
there were some pundits in the gun world who were talking about it, but Biden himself wasn't really pushing it out. Um, a buddy of mine actually, ju- like right before we got on the call, sent me this um, from Biden's Twitter. Uh, it's long past time we take action to end the scourge of gun violence in America. As president, I'll ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, implement universal background checks, and enact other common-sense reforms to end our gun violence epidemic. And, you know, that's that's the policy or the position that basically they all took this go-around. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, so I agree it would be difficult, but if there's a Democratic president and if the Democrats control the House and the Senate, I would imagine they would try to enact, you know, those policies. Um, so, you know, the banning of assault weapons um, in the gun world, you know, basically everybody owns AR-15s. Um, it's it's one of the most common guns in the country. Uh, we could go down that rabbit hole if you want to. But, um, you know, when politicians start talking about banning assault weapons, you're literally telling millions of people that they, you know, won't be able to purchase more of those. And usually there's something like a mandatory registration. Some people like Beta come out and say, we're going to take them. Other people will say, we're not going to take them. You know, we'll do some sort of buyback uh, and you'll have to register it, maybe pay an extra tax. But typically what that involves is if you if you weren't to do that, then you would just become a felon. So it puts gun owners in this awkward position where either A, I'm a felon or B, I'm going to do something which will make it much more likely for a confiscation to happen at some point. Um, and, you know, in the gun world, at least for me, I mean, I obviously I can't speak for everybody. It's less about do I think this is going to happen tomorrow? And it's more about could it happen in 50 years? Um, and, you know, to which I say, of course it could. Absolutely. Um, so I, I do think it's important to, to push back against those kinds of things. Um, and then, you know, high capacity magazines, that's, that's usually anything um, over 10 rounds and basically any handgun, uh, any semi-automatic handgun um, is, is going to be more than that. Not all of them, but the vast majority. Your standard semi-automatic handgun usually has a magazine of, you know, around 15. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you're talking about you're talking about. Um, you know, if you if you if you carry, if you concealed carry, you're talking about what people usually you know carry on like a day to day basis. So, um, yeah. So that's that's sort of the gun issue in a nutshell. Um, and again, you know, if I'm if I'm a Democratic operative, hey, just guys, stop saying that. Wait until you get into office and then try to pass it. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know what you're doing. I don't even know where you're doing that. Yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, my, the, the gun issue, my understanding is, you know, there's. How many how many things out there are like are there people there's a large group of people who are single issue voters about yeah. them it's probably like guns and abortion Absolutely. and maybe that's it um, yeah it is and so. so there's some very you know a, a, a minority definitely but a very you know impassioned minority yeah. who, who deeply cares about this issue and they um, you know one. Uh, one party basically caters, you know, caters to their wishes, and, yeah. and 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 unlike the abortion issue where you kind of have passionate people on on both sides who are really energized about this with the gun issue, it's really only one side is super impassioned, and, and yeah. then you have, you know, a very small number of, of advocates on the other side, um, yeah, I agree. who who are against that. So yeah. I think I I don't see anything because of that situation. I don't see and and, and the number, you know, there's like I read something four hundred four hundred million firearms in the country 
yeah. the past couple of years with 300 plus, you know, 30 million people, or whatever. So I just yeah. don't see anything, anything really happening. Even if you implemented something, um, to, uh, ban certain things from being manufactured going forward, there's all this stuff out there already. And yes, yeah, so I, I, I just don't see that, um, changing, but, um, but yeah, I understand why if, if that's your concern, um, that's something you would, uh, you would vote about. Yeah. Uh, but, but, okay, but let's talk about what, what else besides, besides that made you think Donald, Donald, President Donald J. Trump, four more years. Yeah. Well, so before we leave it, let, let me say this. I, I, what I, this is what I would love to see. I would love to see the right and the left come together and just say, Hey, with abortion and gun control, we're, we're just going to leave it alone. We're going to leave it alone. Okay. It's, it's, it's not ideal. Neither side loves where the other is, right? It's not, we don't have to, we don't have to agree, but I think we should just hit pause. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to do anything on abortion. Nobody's going to do anything on guns. You know, not that we, not that we can't do anything at all. Right. But like, let's, you know, if you want to, if you want to tweak some things on the margins, great. But as far as, you know, Amy Coney Barrett getting confirmed, she's going to strike down Roe v. Wade. Or if Biden wins, he's going to take all my guns away. We should move past these two things to make it harder for whatever, however many millions of single issue voters, um, you know, we should, we should, I just think we should move past it. I think we could, uh, I, I don't understand why that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, I, I, yeah, I see both, I see both. Well, I see both as intractable problems that, that can't really, the, the gun issue as pre-sound because there's so many people care passionately about it who have the guns and really care about it. And then the abortion, because it's just insoluble. It, it, um, there's, there's always going to be people who disagree about when life begins or, or yeah. whose who's rights, women's rights versus the fetus's rights or whatever. So I, I see that as totally intractable and is, is never going to be, it's not like we're all going to say, Oh, fine. I'll just like live and let live kind of thing. People are always going to be yeah. very energized about that one. I, and so, yeah, I don't know, but, it, but the salience, I mean, the, the salience of abortion seems to pretty much always be, be there. The gun thing rises and fades. Uh, yeah. If there's another, gun massacre or if you know people get freaked out and are buying a bunch of guns which apparently they're doing right now um okay but yeah let's get let's get to the big man yeah the big orange man the big orange man the bad orange man bad very bad orange man um uh donald trump uh yeah why you put why why did aside from guns why are why are you pulling the lever for for trump yeah so um you know there are a a lot of levels right uh if i were to look at it objectively um I think I, I've got a couple notes over here. Um, I think some of his policies are decent, somewhere between decent to, to really strong. Uh, I just did the hands. I felt like him right there. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting out of control. Um, e- economic, I think his economic policies have been solid. Uh, you know, deregulation. I, I, I'm a fan of all of that. Uh, I think it is good that he's pushing back on China. I think that it, that, that is important. Um, I honestly do like what he has done um, when it comes to issues that that are important to the black community, um, criminal justice reform, um, uh, the funding of the HBCUs, uh, opportunity zones, et cetera. Um, and it, it, I like seeing that from a Republican because, honestly, my historical uh, perspective on Republicans and and black America is that they basically just never had anything to say, no mm-hmm. solutions beyond like personal responsibility, which I think is, you know, there's something to that, but it, that shouldn't be the end of it. Um, and so I, I appreciated actually seeing that stuff. And again, 
going back to Obama, that was one of my biggest complaints. Uh, I didn't think he did enough for black America. I was hoping to see more on that front. Uh Um, So those are all things that I think are strong. I think he's done he's done pretty well with foreign policy. Uh, He's a Republican and he has not started any major wars. This is good. Um, You know, we uh, we did not do like a full fledged invasion of Syria. Um, He managed, you know, I don't want to say he did it, but uh, his his administration managed to basically wipe ISIS off the face of the earth, which when that was happening, I was not optimistic. You know, I I thought this was I I didn't think they were going to be successful. I thought it was going to be another just another long, bloody chapter in America's war on terror. Um, so, you know, uh, I was glad to see how that went down. Um, you know, the, the Mideast peace deals that he's, he's helping push through, you know, with Israel and, and their neighbors, these are all, these are all good things. Um, with all that being said, uh, most of my reasoning for supporting Trump is really, uh, voting against Biden and where I see the democratic party going. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to go right into that? Or do you want to talk about any of those other things? Um, well, why don't you uh, – let's see. Well, okay, why don't you say why – well, do you see your, your vote as more of an anti-Biden vote than a pro-Trump vote or equal – I do. In equal measures? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, okay, so why, why, what do you, don't you like about Biden and the Democrats right now? Yeah. Um, oof, <laughs> that's a long list. <laughs> um, all right, we talked about guns, right? So that's, that's, that's a non-issue. Um, uh, honestly, I am, I'm concerned about the direction of – of the country from a cultural standpoint, ideological standpoint, uh, and how I see, you know, the Democrats, um, making things worse, being the driving force, being the apologist for, uh, is sort of depending. Um, but, but definitely, uh, definitely is a big part of it. Um, and I'm going to, again, I just have a list of things, mm-hmm. uh, cancel culture, um, identity politics, uh, suppression of, of ideas, suppression of discussion of ideas. Uh, why can't Glenn Lowry, if he is supporting Trump, say so on Blogging Heads TV? He's a tenure professor at Brown, the man's 72 years old. He well, should be able to say that. I, uh, well, that's interesting. Let me just say that, you know, I think Glenn, God love him, plays a game often where he says something like, you can't say X, Y, Z. And then he says X, Y, Z. Yeah. So obviously, literally, you can say it because he just said it. He's a tenure professor, so he would have to like yeah. really say something totally insane t- for it to like uh, you know affect his livelihood. Maybe he would lo- yeah. you know lose some friends or something if he said he was supporting Trump. But um, you know, there are plenty of crazy things you can say in this country. Maybe you'll, and and very few of them will lead to you suffering any consequences. I mean, you can say the Earth is flat, and yeah. and maybe like you'll lose some friends or something if you are really vehement about that. But you'll probably make a bunch of new friends uh, who agree with you that the Earth is flat, and you'll find your own little flat Earth, you know, society to hang out with. So, so there's plenty of stuff. I mean, there's some things you can't say, like certain racial slurs and stuff like that. Right. And then there's some things that are like somewhere in the middle where people are still arguing about them, and you can say them in some places, not other. And then there are other things where you know, Glenn says you can't say that you know, uh, black women should be marrying the fathers of their children or whatever. He probably right. didn't say that exactly, but like. You can say that, and there's probably 500 YouTube channels <laughs> which people are saying that. And yeah. in fact, a normal person like you and me, who didn't like Glenn, could have gotten on TV or something 20 years ago, but uh, you, you and I couldn't. And but now we're, you know, we're able to broadcast because of the technology. So, so okay. Yeah. 
that's my response to that part. No, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, yeah, there's something to it. I, I'd love to come back to it. I just want to, I don't want to forget this stuff. Sure. Um, uh, it makes me really uncomfortable how all of the media, except for right wing media, seems to essentially be dedicated to supporting the Democratic Party. That makes me very uncomfortable. Um, the censorship that we see overt and, and covert uh, with the big big tech platforms, that makes me very uncomfortable. Um, the lack of ideological diversity in academia makes me really uncomfortable. Um, the excusing, again, overt and implicit of the rioting, uh, harassment, violence against police, um, uh, p- political violence, these things um, – so all of those issues, and I, you know, I don't have they, – they're all related. I don't have a good term that's an umbrella catch-all mm-hmm. other than where I see the left going ideologically um, in, in the country. Uh, and you know, it's that broader coalition, that movement that is my biggest concern um, in this election cycle, and that's, you know, that's, that's probably the major reason. Um, that I'm voting for Trump, all, all of those things aside. Okay, that's that's interesting because I, um, I mean, well, I, I, I see the logic of that. My my response is, you know, most of those things you're objecting to have nothing to do with the Democratic Party and the person of Joe Biden, you know, former vice president and professional politician for 47 years. Um, you know, Biden is the most moderate of the 25 or so people who were trying to capture the Democratic nomination and. He won pretty handily, uh, which shows you that, you know, there's a certain, there's some people who attract a lot of, a lot of attention because they're on Twitter or they, uh, you know, are, you know, professor at, you know, some, uh, random university somewhere and they say something crazy. And then there's like the Democratic voters and the people who put Biden over the edge were older black Democrats in the South. And they did not want what Kamala Harris or, you know, uh, Pete Buttigieg were, were selling. They went with, with Biden, I think a lot of that is because they saw how Biden, you know, uh, backed up Obama and um, treated Obama respectfully and never tried to, like, you know, uh, manipulate Obama or, or for his own ends or anything right. like that. I think they I think a lot of black voters appreciate that. But also it's just, you know, they're they're, uh, they're more conservative. So the, I think that, you know, the Democratic Party is much more, I think, ideologically diverse than the Republican Party. I mean, there's, you know, there's. I any like it, it, the, the Democrats are much more like a party of discrete issue groups um, where you have like the gun, the gun people and the, or the anti-gun people and the pro-union people and the yeah. anti-abortion people. And yeah. they don't necessarily all agree with each other, but they kind of stick together. Whereas the GOP is much more a ideological party devoted to small government conservatism and, yeah. and people, there's much more agreement within the party about small government, low taxes, yeah. social conservatives, social conservatism, family values, et cetera, et cetera, you know, hawks foreign policy. Um, so, so, I mean, I think that's why it's often easier for the GOP to sort of implement its agenda when it has unified powers because they all basically agree right. on everything. Whereas, you know, in in 2009 when um, the Democrats had unified power, it was like this huge, complicated thing to get the Affordable Care Act yep. to actually pass because they had, all these, far enough or whatever. they had all these interest groups they needed to mollify and everyone had their – there were these, uh, you know, pro-life Democrats who they needed to get, like, get these specific carve-outs and blah, blah, blah. So I, I think there's that. Um, and yeah, I think I, I mean, I think you're, you're taking things that you see, I don't know, well, I I'm not going to mind read, but it seems to me like there are things that, you know, happen online that are crazy, but these things 
mostly exist in the online world, the online world and the real world are much more the same thing than they were 10 years ago. And so yeah. a tweet can have real world consequences, um, even if it comes from like a random person. Um, yeah. so I agree with that, but at the same time, um, you know, the, the, this is like the, this is kind of one of the points that Bill share, one of my fellow hosts on blogging kids often makes is like, you know, there were a lot of like far left challengers. So incumbents and stuff like right. three to five of them won. And most of the people who are like running for house seats, uh, you know, newcomers or people who won in 2018 were moderates mm-hmm. and, you know, more in the Obama mold and less in the AOC mold or the, right you know, woke, whatever bullshit mold. Um, yeah. So the party, you know, I think in, in some ways, certain elites have adopted woke ideology, if we want to use that vague term. Um, and maybe those people work at, you know, magazines in New York City or something. So and those people have a certain amount of power because of their, you know, the influence of the media. But yeah, but really, there's not a ton of people who are who are down for this. And, you know, I, I don't know. So so I think I think that that's part of it. And so what so so one of the policies so i think i mean you know the the two, the two big things that the next president is going to have to deal with are yeah are the pandemic and the economy um yeah. and you know i i don't see cancel culture woke whatever uh you know really affecting that um and that seems you know the pandemic seems more important to me than cancel culture at this moment sure. <laughs> but but that, yeah. that that's that's just how i would read it yeah, no, I, uh, I, I see where you're coming from. Um, and I, I don't disagree. Like, I don't see the Democratic Party as actively pushing some super left woke agenda. I see it more like they're happy to give it cover. They're happy to, um, fan those flames where convenient because they see, they see ways to make political hay there. Um, and I, I guess if it, you know, if I really had to think about it, my concern would be not that the Democratic Party is going to, you know, go super far left. That is a concern. That's not my main concern. My main concern would be that they are going to allow um, certain ideologies to take hold um, rather than than condemning them. Um, and I, I see that being a problem. Uh, you know, as, as ideas spread. Um, and, you know, so like if we look at something like, you know, c- cancel culture and, you know, you, you're, you're, you mentioned media, um, I, I think we should all be alarmed when you see people like Barry Weiss leaving the New York Times and telling us why she's leaving the New York Times. Um, when Glenn Greenwald leaves The Intercept because he says he's being censored, uh, you know, and he founded The Intercept. Um, these things concern me um, as far as moves toward illib- uh, illiberalism, um, not just in the Democratic Party, but in the in the media class, in the idea world. Um, that's, that's where that's that's a major concern for me. Um, and then as far as like, you know, the wokeism or whatever on the Internet versus the real world. Um, I agree with you there. Um, you know, I, I do think it's easy for, for people to have an outsized concern because of what's going on in the internet. Um, but I do think it's starting to reverberate into the real world. Um, but you know, when it comes to hard reality, um, you know, the riots this summer, there were, there were multiple, multiple occasions where, you know, 
it, to me, it was incumbent on anybody with a platform to say, hey, you know, maybe we agree with X, Y, and Z, but A, B, and C are completely unacceptable. Um, you can't take over six city blocks in downtown Seattle. People live there. People have businesses there. That's not okay. We can't do that, right? Um, 130 or 40 days, whatever the hell it is, of rioting in Portland. At some point, somebody has to say, hey, guys, this is enough. What are you doing? This doesn't make sense. Um, you know, and the same goes for attacks on the police and, and all these other things. Um, and again, I'm not blaming the Democratic Party for this, but I do, I do think it is incumbent upon anybody with a platform to say, hey, this, is, this isn't acceptable. And when people don't do that, that makes me think that they're all too happy to let that go because they see some sort of benefit um, from from you know staying quiet more likely than not. Yeah, I I, I mean there was in the aftermath of the death of George Floyd, there was um, a lot of nonsense spewed by a lot of people on all sides, and yeah. there's a um, sort of. So I've I've talked about this before uh, on on Twitter the way to the. You know, on, on Twitter, you want to get your tweets to go viral. You want to get more likes and retweets. That's, that's what the yeah. game. And the way to do that is to do highly emotionally charged tweets. So if I yeah. did a tweet saying, guys, let's all calm down. Let's take a breath. You know, maybe sit this one out and we'll all, like, get back to this issue in a month or so. So if I tweeted that, then that would get, yeah. like, two retweets and three likes. And then if I tweeted totally. something like... Uh, you know, uh, burn the motherfuckers down, then that would get like 50 retweets or whatever. Yeah. So, so, and you do on the other side, if you're something like, if you tweeted something like, you know, the cops need to crack down and it's time to, you know, take the safeties <clears throat> off the guns and start, right. you know, bashing some heads in, then that would go viral, more viral also than some sort of plea for, you know, general calm. So, right. so that's a, that's a really bad incentive that social, the way social media algorithms work or the way that social media makes us act you know, is that the, the, the more extreme thing, do, do people really believe it when they're typing out, you know, burn the motherfucker down or whatever, or God knows, yeah. who knows, but, um, but, but a thousand other people see it and say, yeah, burn the motherfucker down <laughs> and they yeah. hit retweet. So a lot of other people see it also. So that's, that's bad. And that's, that is like a bad evolution in, you know, the way we, we all communicate with each other. Um, yeah. so, so I agree with you. I agree with you there. Um, at the same time, you know, I think most Democratic politicians so were pretty responsible during this time. I mean, you know, what happened in, you know, the the autonomous zone or whatever in Seattle was absurd and poorly handled. Um, uh, that being said, don't you think Seattle and Washington State and, Port and Portland and um, Oregon are going to overwhelmingly vote for Biden in the election? Like the, the people who 100%. were... Yeah, you know, the, 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 there were a no, number of people who were like at least strongly inconvenienced and maybe much worse. Like if, if they owned a business in one of those places, um, and in the surrounding area, like you know, but the people on the ground, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if like if uh, mayoral candidates in those places run on like a <laughs> like a hard edged law and order thing, and yeah. they could, they could um, make hay out of that. It's possible, um, but I would say, yeah, it, it's you know. You have people saying, you know, look at what's happening in Portland right now. Meanwhile, I'm guessing Portland will go like 70-30 Biden and probably yeah. is going to go even stronger Biden than it, than it, than it went Hillary in, in 2016. That's just my guess. We'll yeah. see what happens. Um, I, but I, I do want to ask you about um, – so it seems like a lot of your concerns are 
less about policy and law than about culture and the way we're all like interacting with each other and things along those lines. And in, in my opinion, in that, in that realm, everything has gotten worse because of Trump. Yeah. Um, the, so we have to talk about Trump, the person, because he has totally. imposed his persona upon all of our, <laughs> upon the country and all of our mental states in a way that like, you know, no, no one has in, in my lifetime and maybe, maybe ever. So, you know, yeah. he uses Twitter and he uses Twitter in a very emotional way and gets lots of retweets yeah. that way. Um, but he also just, you know, uh, says crazy things. Uh, we'll say, uh, we'll say, you know, X one day and say not X the next day and says there's no yeah. correlation between them. Of course, he's crude. He, he cheats on his wife with porn stars, but you know, we know the litany. Uh, he yeah. either grabs women by the pussy or he simply brags about it. Either one, not good. Right. And, um, and this one actually, I just saw this yesterday, the day before, but I thought this was just a perfect encapsulation. I'm just going to read this out. This is a slight detour, but I think it'll yeah. make sense. So Kirstie Alley, uh, okay. uh the actress, uh, who was in yeah. Cheers. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I had actually had a, a huge crush on her when I was a kid because I, for some reason, I really liked that movie, Look Who's Talking, uh, which, yeah. where she was in John Travolta. And I had a big crush on her. And yeah. so she is a Trump supporter. I think she loves a Scientologist. So she's a little out there. So she uh, tweeted something yesterday. Okay. Yes, yeah, she did tweet this yesterday. I'll just read this out. She says, I now know why my personal friends who walk around in sheer terror of contracting COVID are simply CNN viewers. I decided to watch CNN myself to get their viewpoint. And oh my God, did I ever? This is all caps. If you two want to live in terror, watch CNN. Fear of dying is their mantra. OMG, exclamation point. So then, uh, okay, so that's whatever. She's a wacky right. celebrity. Yeah. So then the official communications account of CNN itself, which uh-huh. is the handle is CNN PR. So usually they're announcing like if someone got hired or something at CNN, like, sure. they tweeted back, Kirsty, you're welcome to change the channel. Just like countless viewers did every time Veronica's Closet came on TV. Hey! But don't downplay the loss of nearly 230,000 American lives and please wear a mask. So yeah. this was like, I, so then I saw this and my immediate thought was, this is Trump's America. The people who yeah. work in public relations at CNN are doing epic clapbacks to, you know, a B-list yeah. nobody celebrity who no one who hasn't been in a movie in 15 years yeah. and doing it in this super snarky Trumpian way of like, you know, your show was canceled in 1998. Right. And, and so he so I mean, no one has degraded public discourse, in my opinion, uh, in our lifetimes, like President Trump, like he he's a he's a bad person in pretty much all ways. And, and everything he's like, and he's, you know, it's, it's like a, you know, this is, this is where people will, will get on me, but it's like, yeah, his evil spirit has spread throughout the country and made everyone a lot worse. Like, I feel like I am worse for having imbibed (laughs) Trumpism and Trump himself and his nonstop blather constantly for the past four years. Like he, he has been objectively bad for our brains and our souls. I think, um, I would, I would go so far to say that. And yeah. Okay, what's I, your response? Yeah, I, I, shit, I agree. Uh, I, I really don't disagree with you. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I I don't like him. Uh, I really don't. Uh, I don't like the guy. Uh, I, you know, I'm not going to go so far as to say he's a bad person. Uh, he seems to be, you know, uh, but I, I don't know him. Um, but no, man, I agree with all of that. Uh, you know, I so you know, it, it's. It's tricky. So um, I I just watched uh, Coleman Hughes did a video. I think I saw it yesterday. Why he was voting for Joe Biden, um, and it was basically all of my concerns about where uh, the left is going 
And the conclusion he arrived at is Trump is making this worse. If we elect Trump, all this shit's just going to speed up and get to wherever it's going faster. And he might be right. You yeah. know, and like, like it, honestly, it's it's closer to a coin flip than I'm comfortable with. Uh, it really is. Um, you know, it, it, Glenn mentioned this uh, on y'all's show. You know, th- for me, and, and he described me when he when he when he said this. For me to vote for Biden in the hopes that it would slow down where the left is going feels like some form of blackmail or uh, uh, you know paying a ransom or something like that. Um, there is logic there. It, it very well may be the case. I mean, I, I remember talking to a buddy recently and I was like, look, man, I think if Trump wins, it will be worse for the country in the short term, but likely better in the medium to long term. And if Biden were to win, I think it would be better in the short term, but I'm more concerned about what it would mean in the medium to long term. <laughs> okay. You know, I think, um, okay. I think I follow that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I think people, if Trump wins, uh, I think people are going to absolutely freak out um, to the extent that he's made your life worse and other people who who are just, you know, uh, like legitimately bothered by his being. Um, I think it is going to be worse. Um, I guess my a big part of where I come down on all of that is – you know, this is, I don't know how to say this without sounding like an asshole. Um, if, if somebody upsets you, it's largely your responsibility, how, how you take that, right? Like, like people, I, I shouldn't be able to do anything to perturb you emotionally. That's, that's a you issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is, this is like a stoic idea kind of that, you know, I, I can, you can only control your emotional reactions to yourself. Right. Everything external world happens and you have almost no change of it. But, but I mean, there is one thing I can do, which is vote. And so, absolutely. absolutely. And, and let me be clear. I'm not saying everybody who uh, doesn't embody that is somehow, you know, pathetic or something like that. I'm not saying that. Um, but what I'm saying is the, 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 what I would say the proper way to view Trump is, is okay. We've been watching this guy for four years. We don't like his character. Okay. Got it. Check. I disapprove of his character. This is bad. I don't like it. Got it. We don't like his rhetoric. We don't like his style. We don't like his personality, his persona, all of that stuff. After personally me, after I arrive at all those conclusions, I, I, I try not to continue to be upset by them, right? These things aren't surprising me anymore. I've gotten used to these things. They're not good. I don't, I really do not like him for these things, right? Um, I would love, uh, somebody with Trump's policies who was not Trump. That would be wonderful. Um, in this particular case, when I sit down and do the calculus, I say all of this stuff is terrible and I hate it. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think the other side of the equation is going to be a little bit worse. And, you know, so that's, that's the way I, that's why I go the other direction. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, the idea, the question of whether there could be a Trumpism without Trump is one, you know, the, the previous video that just posted with Bob, uh, Bob Wright and Mickey Cass, they, they talked about that. It's, uh, it's unknown. And, 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 you know, there's some yeah. people who say like Don Jr. will be running in 2024. I, I don't see it at all. Like Trump is a, is a unique personality and a unique yeah. world historical figure. And there's no one, there's no other person you can immediately think of who could do like people say Tucker Carlson, but like Tucker Carlson d- is, does not, did not have a 
you know, has not been in, in the public eye since the 1970s and had a uh, totally. reality TV show all about how great he was, you know, for 15 yeah. years. So there, there's no other person. And then if you remove Trump from it, what happens? I mean, I think the most likely thing is kind of a, a reversion to form for the, for the GOP. And if you think like, 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 let's say Trump wins and then, and then the, so then the 2024 front runner would be Mike Pence. Um, yeah. and then before Trump, Pence was basically a George W. Bush type, although maybe he was more anti-immigration. Right. Um, I, I can't remember exactly, but, but I, the way I understand Pence is he's basically George W. Bush, but more Christian and stupider. Um, so, <laughs> So, so he's a possible, you know, he would be like the favorite just in terms of like how this works out in history. Yeah. And then where, where would he take the party? Um, it's probably more back towards the Bushism, you know, kind of like compassionate conservatism, big government. Yeah. You know, but anti-abortion, I, I, immigration, maybe, maybe Trump has permanently changed the party in terms of immigration, but I don't know exactly how much else he's, he's left a permanent mark. I mean, the thing is, and I've know, talked yeah. about this and people disagree with me. Uh, he doesn't care about politics, really. He doesn't care about policy, certainly. He has no real policy preferences. He kind of just repeats whatever the last thing he heard was. He has certain, like, dispositions or prejudices, like, in the literal sense. Yeah. Uh, like, he doesn't particularly like foreigners who aren't from Europe uh, and so on and so forth. So he, you know, uh, enacts policies that, like, flow from that, but it's not like he has this very strong commitment to any particular policy. Like, building the wall was his signature policy, and you know the wall is like fifteen percent build or something at that, and right. Mexico Mexico did not pay for it. Um, yeah. So so he and so he can be talking to you know Paul Ryan talked him into passing Paul Ryan's tax cut, um, mm -hmm. and the the three it's not like he appointed a Trumpy um, Supreme Court justice like the three he appointed if Marco Rubio had been president probably would have been the, the same three people maybe in a different order. Um, right. So there's I mean the one thing is there was no cadre of mini mini trumpets you know to like follow him it's really just uh Stephen right. miller <laughs> and that's it um yeah. because everyone else was against him from the beginning and within yeah. the party and so there was no like the people who you know write legislation or uh you know write the rules in the various agencies and stuff like they are not committed to the trumpist project they're right. just kind of like keeping their heads down until until he's out of there so i, I so i don't i don't see a very strong legacy in terms of like you know like maybe like Reagan made the party like permanently anti-abortion or something like that. Right. Um, I, I see it more. I see, I see the, the, his, his legacy more in the, um, bring reality television to, uh, to politics and making yeah. it like a, a circus where you're always like, what crazy thing's going to happen next. Uh, so basically a lot of bad things in terms of the culture and the cult of personality around him. I mean, the, the, the thing that this is really the, the whole Trump experience has made me think is that, you know, we, the president, like, we, we, we need to, like, downgrade this office somehow. It's like, it, it's, it's too strong. I would love that. It's just like, like, you know, it's long been, like, the national god figure or national, yeah. like, big daddy or something where we're all, Absolutely. like, you know, like all the little children or something of, of the president. It's it's a sick totally. thing in, the, in American culture. And, 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 yeah. and Trump's d disordered personality has, has just revealed that there's just way too much happening with this office would be much better if we had something like a prime minister where we could just say this is your job you know it's not like you're yeah. like the greatest guy in the world who we all have to look up to and then when it's your time to leave you just like you're out of there and that, and that's that um yeah. so so yeah i i see i mean but i i would just say you know in, in terms of the um the emotional reaction to trump i actually wrote a piece 
which we'll link to on the Blogging site, uh, in about six months into the administration, the start of the administration, that was called, um, basically, it was basically how I came to have a sort of like Zen-like perspective on Trump. And yeah. it had to do with, with his absurdity. And, and I, I don't, I won't fully recapitulate it, but like he is, the, the fact that he is president is fundamentally absurd. And, you know, if this, if this could happen, then like, like, what does any of it really matter? It, it, you know, it'd be like, yeah. it, it's, you know, Nero, like appointing his horse senator or something like that. It's like, what will, yeah. this is all kind of a joke. Like, you know, we're, as, as kids were taught to revere the constitution in school, it's like, oh, the, the our great founding fathers came up with this system that, you know, like uh, protects all minority interests and, and the bill of rights is so great. But like the system produced Trump as president. That's, that's absurd. Like the system is pretty fucked. And I, yeah, I, once I realized this, I was kind of like, okay, it's all like, it's all a joke. I, I guess I was thrown into like existentialism or something or nihilism yeah. by, by Trump's election. So, so after yeah. that, I generally am not the type of person who's getting, who's flying off the handle. That's why it's funny when people right. in the comments on YouTube accuse me of uh, Trump derangement syndrome because, right. you know, he doesn't, there, there's people who are like, every time there's some new Trump thing, they're like, they can't believe it. You know, they're on fire. I'm just like, oh, this is just one more piece of bullshit, you know, <laughs> who yeah. cares? Let's just laugh at it. That, that's kind of, yeah. that's kind of my perspective. Um, yeah. But okay, let me see. I feel like there was one other area I wanted to talk yeah, about. Can I, touch on, can I touch on a couple of things that you brought up before I forget? Go ahead. Um, well, so, so first off, you know, uh, as far as the Zen perspective goes, um, it sounds like you should be grateful for Trump, right? He's, uh, he's liberated you from, uh, from the <laughs> eternal hell of electoral politics. So uh, thank you, Trump, for that. Well, this is um, like, this is like, you know, uh, the, who is the main stoic guy? I can't remember his name. Uh, Marcus Aurelius. Well, who's the one who had like the withered limb? You know, it's like, is he, <laughs> and uh, like, I don't know, him... was maybe Seneca or Epictetus. <laughs> yeah. It's like, is he grateful for his withered limb so that he was able to achieve enlightenment or something? I don't know. Right, right, right. Exactly. Um, no, uh, of course I'm joking there. Um, but no, you, you, you know, you brought up the future of, of the party. Um, and honestly, I'm, I'm hopeful, um, uh, probably foolishly optimistic, Every time I, I catch myself thinking about this, I have to remind myself that I've, I've essentially hated the Republican Party for a very, very, very long time, and I, you know, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, I'm hopeful that Trump is going to leave such a void that can't be filled because there isn't going to be a Trump too. Um, that you know, the party will have a chance to start from scratch, uh, and there are some things that I find to be, um, you know, hopeful. Um, you look at somebody like Dan Crenshaw. Uh, I think we could use more Dan Crenshaw's. I don't know if he wants to run for president. This is I the think... Texas representative who yeah, exactly. has an eye patch yeah. and was a eye patch, Navy yeah. SEAL. Yeah, um, super reasonable guy, right? Uh, you know, I don't know if you if you're how familiar you are with him, but he's he's a very reasonable guy. Um, I think we could have more of those. I think there there is now going to be room for people who have um, strong policy positions and who are reasonable. Uh, and who seem to be of strong moral character. Um, and then also, you know, we're seeing a lot of movement when it comes to black America leaving the Democratic Party, which I'm also super help hopeful for. You look at somebody like Kimberly Klasick, I would love the, Dem the Republican Party to become the party of disaffected black voters and, you know, reasonable policy-oriented people everywhere uh i don't know if it's gonna happen but i'm hopeful so so i don't even so who is kimberly Klasik? i mean I don't even oh know yeah who that is. okay so um yeah, kim Klasik is running for um running for a congressional seat uh out of baltimore out of baltimore city uh, -huh. uh 
which has been democratically controlled for you know forever. Um, and uh, you know she's not she's making a lot of she's making a lot of waves, making a lot of noise. Uh, the last I heard um, her in, in an interview, she was basically saying that the RNC was not supporting her, which doesn't surprise me. Um, but you know, basically, her 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 line is, you know, in Baltimore, it, it it's the the city has been terribly mismanaged for an extremely long time. So instead of continuing to vote for the same people, let's try something different and hear some ideas. Um, and there are others like her around the country running running for um, for congressional seats. So I would love to see more of that. Um, you know, with we don't. I don't think we're going to know the actual numbers for a while, but we do see Trump getting more of the black vote. Um, I hope that that doesn't just disappear when Trump leaves office. I hope whoever's coming next is going to be smart enough to say, "Hey, what can we actually do to earn these votes and and actually, you know, make change in in areas that desperately need change." So um, I'm hopeful. We'll see. A younger, more inclusive Republican Party. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, I wouldn't bet on it. I mean, I, I'm very I skeptical. <laughs> okay, I'm I very skeptical. Not, to be clear, yeah. I'm very skeptical of the, like, Blexit uh, stuff of, of blacks leaving the GOP for the – or leaving the Democrats for the GOP. Um, I, I think that is not really happening. I mean, I, I guess I, I saw some polling that um, – Trump is attracting more black and Latino men, but fewer black and Latino women. So it, it could just be a wash in terms of raw numbers, um, which I guess would would make sense to me. I mean, I, I don't think it's like a healthy thing that the Democrats can count on 90 plus percent of the black vote um, every four years. I think that's that's bad overall. And it makes it so that um, – the Republicans don't pl- don't really play for those voters. I guess Trump is trying it a little bit. This kind of seems like it's Jared Kushner's initiative uh, to, with like the, the criminal justice reform bill that was passed, which does seem like a, a, a positive a positive thing. And, and wouldn't you know? I, I assume if President Hillary Clinton had introduced that bill, it wouldn't have passed. But it was just that Trump, you know, the same exact bill probably wouldn't have passed if, if the Democrats were, were pushing it. Is the fact that Trump was pushing it, so that's probably a good thing. But um, yeah, I don't see a super change, and I think the as far as far as I can tell, the the you know like black black voters do like Biden, um, right? And I think they're probably going to stick with him for now. Maybe if the if there's some different candidate who um, or, or and, and a different challenger, then the uh, things could change there. Um, but yeah, the you know the GOP generally ignores black voters and and Democrats take them for granted, and that's yeah um, that's a bad thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, Crenshaw, I guess I, I haven't paid super close attention to him. I I guess I see, you know, this is, this is the, the classic thing of like, you see the, um, you, you only see the like tweets from your, the opposite side when it's like the bad crazy stuff, like, right, right. because those are the ones that people bring in. So I, I don't, when you called him a reasonable guy, that was surprising to me because my sense mm. of him was like, he was kind of a Trump, a Trumper. Um, but but maybe not. So I'll take I'll take a, another look at him and and the uh, Brett Weinstein, um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, paired Tulsi Gabbard and Crenshaw in his dream ticket all day long. Which I all thought, well, I just uh, I mean, which uh, I guess that appeals to you because uh, you said you like Gabbard, but um, that to me just showed that like uh, Brett Weinstein doesn't 
understand a lot about American politics and he thought that this yeah. could somehow happen. Um, but he has a podcast. Um, so that's yeah. something. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of his, uh, you know, unity 2020, uh, uh, his heart was in the right place. I, I never thought I had a snowball's chance in hell. And, you know, as it turned out, it didn't. Um, but I mean, you know, it goes back to what you were saying about how, just how, how, how fucked the whole system is, you know? Um, you know, so when I hear a, a really smart, reasonable guy like him bring something to the table, uh, you know, I was like, Hey man, I don't think it's going to work. Uh, but you know, good on you. Uh, it's better than not trying anything. Uh, yeah. You know. I mean, I would say he, he means well, um, but <laughs> I don't know if I would go, uh, go much further than that. But, um, I guess the, yeah. you know, the other thing is could, like, could the GOP, could there be a party realignment? Like it seemed like Trump, was pull, like he could have pulled off some sort of actual party realignment that hasn't happened since like the civil rights bill was signed because sure. he really like it, he's not a republican like he has no. an idiosyncratic set of beliefs and he could yeah. have brought like pulled in democrats and somehow realigned things and this is what like Steve Bannon wanted to happen and I think Trump didn't care enough to try to do it and even if he did he was too stupid to pulled off would have been difficult anyway. But since as an outsider, he could have yeah. tried something, but instead he just allied himself to the GOP completely and didn't really make a lot of overtures to to the other side. So the the realignment that seems to be happening instead is like the like never Trumpers. So there's probably not there's not that many of them. But there's there's right. pe- there's people who have been disgusted by Trump and in for various reasons and they're like coming over to Biden. So hard to know how many people there are like this, but the sort of especially the national security hawks are very, you know, if there's a lot of them in the never Trump stuff. If those, yeah. if those people who are mostly in the elite, there's not a lot of a ton of normal voters who care about that no, you know, foreign policy so. to, be, to begin with. But if they come over to the Democrats, then it's interesting to think, you know, where is the GOP foreign policy going to go? Maybe, I guess in a more America first isolationist direction or what? Um, so, so that is interesting. But the yeah, it's it's like it's you know I don't know if you're if you watched Simpsons as a kid, but there was that the one. Yeah, it definitely did. Okay, the the Treehouse of Horror, where it's in 1996, <laughs> where it reveals that Clinton and, and Dole have been replaced by two aliens, and um, <laughs> I, don't I don't remember. This is a classic. I'll include a link to it, and yeah, please. And so, and so, once it's revealed that you know they pull their heads off, and it's revealed that it's Krang and Kodos, the two aliens. Um, uh, the uh oh, yeah, yeah yeah sure yeah they're, yeah they're like you know you have yeah. to vote for one of us and then and someone's like what about you know what about the third party and one of them says it's a two-party system go ahead throw your vote away right. and, and so it's like it really is a two-party system and it you is. could imagine a, it's very hard to imagine a challenger party replacing one of the current two parties unless something totally, totally crazy happens so we, we're stuck with these two lousy parties and we have to like work within them and change them rather than trying to start like the Donald Trump party or something. And so he was canny yeah. in seeing that like he should run as Republican, not as independent. But, um, but yeah, I, and it, it's just, it's the things are going to happen within the parties and there'll maybe be some switching, but I think we're stuck with these. <laughs> we're stuck with them for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I'm afraid you're right. Um, and I don't know, you, you probably have a better sense of this than I do. Um, I don't have any faith in, uh, the democratic party, um, shifting course from the things that concern me that we talked about. Um, I'm, I, you know, again, I'm not optimistic that the Republican party, uh, does anything like, like we, like we discussed. Um, but it's possible. And I think it would make sense. You know, I mean, if I, if I could like, if I could appear in front of every, you know, traditional Republican voter, uh, and, 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 you know, talk to them, you know, why I, 
why can the Republican Party not, you know, whatever, man? I mean, push a couple reasonable criminal justice things through, um, do something reasonable on on education, economic opportunities for for minority groups, um, you know, uh, say that nobody's going to try to make abortions illegal, uh, legalize marijuana, like mainstream ideas that I actually don't think people have a problem with. I really think it's probably the RNC and, and some of the, you know, legacy actual Republican politicians that are in the way. Uh, and I hope somebody with some intelligence over there realizes that they're losing culturally, they're losing demographically. And, you know, now would be a wonderful time to make a tiny adjustment, you know, on, on sort of social policy, like one little click left, um, and actually bring some real, some real policy prescriptions to the table, um, and I, I think you know I think there are votes there. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, think, it, it would, so I, I think they'll do it. I don't. It would have been very easy for I think for Trump to embrace marijuana decriminalization or yeah. something like that. Totally, um, and that would have appealed to younger voters, appealed to non-white voters, urban voters, and um, but he didn't. I guess because he doesn't care. But and and just the people around him are not in favor of that kind of thing. But yeah. that sort of, if you imagine like a Trump type figure who actually has like imaginative thinking to try to like really change things, yeah. then it's possible there'd be some sort of big change, but we yeah. had the Trump like figure, but all he thinks about is like, you know, Sean Hannity's next show and, and whether Sean's going to yeah. be happy about what he did or, or mad about it. So totally. So yeah, yeah I, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a big mystery to me as far you know, the, 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 like Donald, <laughs> whatever's inside of Donald Trump's skull. Um, because I, you know, I certainly agree that he seems to really not care about um, many things on like a deep policy level. But it, he does seem there. See, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's people around him or what. He seems to make some really good decisions behind the scenes. Um, you know, he has done more than many GOP presidents in the past. And I don't know, I don't know what to ascribe that to. Um, but like the, one of the things that really impressed me about him, um, was, do you, you remember when the, the drone was shot down by Iran mm -hmm. and all the Hawks, you know, in his circle, including John Bolton, um, were pushing for some sort of overt military action yeah. and he decided no, because, you know, he didn't think the civilian toll would, you know, warranted uh, or was a warranted response to, to what had happened. Um, that was extremely refreshing to me and I thought was a tiny window into some decision making power uh, that he has that's that's sound. Uh, my, my gut, it, it, I think it has something to do with when he's not directly being challenged. When his ego's not being challenged, when he's not worried about how he's being perceived in the moment, he maybe he has really good decision making ability. Uh, I, I don't I don't know. Um, but I wouldn't there, go that you know, far. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But there's something about it. Like there there is some there is some maybe even genius there. If nothing else, you know, in in like in his in his in his I, I don't know in his ability to succeed. Um, I don't know. It's very bizarre to me. I can't figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it, it might really be something know. like, you know, the average president who, like, didn't serve in the military, they get in there, and then they're, like, all these generals telling them do X, Y, Z, and so they think, well, these guys know what they're talking about, 
and they have all these medals on their chest. And so I'm, I'll, I'll go along with them. And if I go against them, then like, they're going to try to like sabotage me or something. So I might as well just go along with them. Whereas Trump is just like, uh, I'm smarter than you, you know, like, you know, I could have like, like I could have been a general, like, you know, he thinks he's the best of everything. So he, he just yeah. maybe thinks he can outsmart everyone. And, maybe. Yeah. And so that, but I mean, I, 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 there's this joke. I've mentioned this before in the show, you know, Trump's razor, a play on Occam's razor, which is, and whenever there's a mystery about Trump, the stupidest explanation is the most likely one. And so it could just be, he thinks he's smarter than the generals. And, and so that's what he does. So I, I, I just want to, we're maybe moving towards the end of our time. I just want to say, um, I, so I voted for Biden. I voted by mail a couple of weeks ago. Um, <clears throat> uh, and I enthusiastically voted for Biden, but I'm not optimistic. So I guess yeah. this is like too pessimist in this episode. I'm not optimistic about a Biden administration, uh, yeah. really turning the country around. I think they'll do a better job on the pandemic, but at the same time, like now that, if, if Biden's in charge and he's telling people to wear masks, there's going to be even more people who are pissed off who are saying, don't you, yeah. I'm not going to wear a damn mask. This is America. So, so, and, and all the, and so there's going to be more active in the way that Trump activated left wing crazies is going to be activated right wing crazies. And Biden himself is basically a moderate and is not a, you know, he's a huge institutionalist who was in the Senate for 40 years or whatever. So he is not yeah. like seeking to, he's not going to pack the courts. Maybe they'll end the filibuster. Who knows? But yeah, he's not going to try to do things that are dramatic. I, I do think he'll have people who are more competent working for him who will do a better job about confronting the the pandemic, which is you know the major national problem right now. So I I, I, I think that will hopefully get better. But in in terms of like you know I like uh, in two thousand eight I was optimistic optimistic about Obama like really changing yeah. things and he didn't really and but now I'm uh, you know I'm not optimistic about Biden really changing things. It's more like additional new awful things will not be continually happening because Trump is not in office. And I, as I said in the previous episode, just like tamping down the national temperature and the sense that like, we're all on edge because what crazy thing is going to happen next politics will return to a more normal part of the country instead of being the central focus and the soap opera reality show aspect of it will hopefully go away. And, and, and that will just like turn the temperature down and, it won't be a return to normalcy because things have been fucked up too much because of the pandemic, but it yeah. will be life will be somewhat more normal than in, in the Trump years when, when life is, is strange. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If Biden wins, I hope you're right. Um, I hope you're right. Um, you know, the, the, again, the concern I have about sort of the direction of, uh, of, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, liberal ideology, whatever. Um, you know, I, I think we have to remember that um, a, I, I would argue a big reason that Trump was elected was because of, those movements, um, in the first place. Um, so I, I, again, I think in the short term, uh, the, the heat would be tamped down to a degree. Um, I'm not confident that the division in the country, uh, would really be, um, ameliorated to any substantial degree in a longer term. Um, yeah. You know, and again, I, you know, if, if Trump wins, uh, I don't see that happening either. So uh, I don't know, man. I think that's the big question of our day: is uh, how do we how do we try to bridge that divide and uh, calm people down and have less political violence? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if the as I think some actually some commenters pointed this out, which is a good point, but it's not exactly the original one. But you know, uh, returning to normalcy, if we return to like the day before Donald Trump um, declared that he was running for president. Obviously, there were a lot of things under the surface that were happening that enabled him to become president. So we can't, yeah. just, we can't just go back. It's not just like 
we can go back to what it was because that could produce another Donald Trump type type figure, although I think he's very unusual, especially, and it's mainly about reality television that, uh, that enabled him to rise. And there's no other figure who could rise up exactly like him. But yeah, the, 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 the Trump's election revealed that there was a lot more under the surface about the country that, that was fucked up and wrong and wasn't being addressed. And yeah. I don't know if I, I, I highly doubt actually that Biden is the is the one who's who's going to address that. But maybe he'll maybe he'll rise to the occasion. Who knows? Um, yeah, if he if he is the next president, you know he's yeah. he's, he's going to need help. Um, okay, I think we're about at the end of our time. Is there is there anything uh, any final points you want to make that you uh, forgot to mention? Um, oh, I don't know, man. God, we covered a lot. Um, uh, no, nothing's nothing's coming to mind. Nothing's coming to mind. Um, no, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, thanks for coming on. Um, and yeah, uh, taking the, uh, you know, taking the courageous step of, uh, putting your face on video so that people can, uh, can yeah, attack and, you and, and uh, call and your names and name. so forth. <laughs> and is there, I mean, uh, you, is there anything you want to plug? You said you're not a big social media guy. You said, is there any, do you have a website or anything like that? Or just, yeah, <laughs> no, man. Um, so, uh, I, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm in the process of getting a podcast off the ground. Uh, funny enough, uh, it's called Everything is Fucked. Um, a podcast about solutions. Uh, I, I'm still trying to decide if I want to if I want to spell fuck in the traditional sense or f u k t for um, you know the purposes of sidestepping potential censorship censorship issues. Uh, still sorting that out. Huh. Um, but yeah, you know, I would love to. I would love to basically have conversations like this on that podcast. Um, I'd like to dive into specific policy issues much more deeply. Um, again, you know, everything's fucked a podcast about solutions. That's the idea. Um, until then I reactivated my Twitter for this very purpose. Uh, it's hilarious. There's nothing there. You'll see a few posts that make me look like a crazy lefty from like 2014. Um, but that's, uh, it's, it's J Carl Guth. So the letter J C A R L G U T H J Carl Guth. Um, and yeah, again, I'm John Guthrie and, uh, yeah, come over, follow me. And then, um, when I get the pod in order, um, I'll post it there and and people can see it. Okay, cool. Um, well, uh, thank you again for taking the time. Um, and thank you to all of our viewers and listeners. Uh, uh, you know, you can rate and review this in various places if you want to do that thing, but you don't have to, I won't be mad at you. Um, so, uh, but, uh, (laughs) thanks. Thanks again for coming on and we'll see you again next time. Great. Thank you so much.